Are we not blessed this morning? Not blessed to be in his presence and get a sense that God is here and get a sense that he is with us, that he hasn't abandoned us, that he's, he's walking alongside with us. Praise the Lord that we get a chance to be in his presence and get a sense of that this morning. And uh, you know what? I just, I attribute that to you because God's presence does not move in, in the midst of, of division. He doesn't, he, he doesn't function when people are fighting amongst themselves, but when, when people get in one accord, amazing things happen, right? When we join together with the same hearts and the same attitude and the same focus, God does special things. And I believe he's done something special this morning in our hearts. And so that is, that's not just because of God's goodness, it's because of God's people joining together and saying, I may not know this person or know that person, but I know that we're together serving Jesus. And there's power in that, church. And we've sensed it this morning. So praise the Lord for what God has done and praise the Lord for you to wanting to go there uh, because it takes, it takes both. It takes both. Well, it's the summer season. It's the summer and uh, we uh, often, during the summer season, uh, I decide to go through a portion of the Bible uh, kind of bit by bit. Um, and so whether it's uh, someone's uh, life or whether it's a, a certain book of the Bible, but this summer we're going to be going through the life of Joshua. And uh, so we're going to be talking about Joshua a lot uh, this summer. And Joshua is one of these inspiring characters in the Bible that has shown us so many lessons from his life. And, and so this morning we're going to dig in to the life of Joshua, give you a little bit of a, of, a, of a background to who he was and what he was all about, and then give you kind of just a glimpse into the type of person he was, the type of leader he was, and who God had made him to be. And that God had ordained Joshua to do a certain thing in the life of Israel. And church, I want you to know that God has ordained you to do a certain thing in, in your life. And it doesn't necessarily mean it has anything to do with how much money you get in return for it. I'm not saying this is about your job. I'm not saying this is about your profession. I'm saying that God has a purpose for your life. He had a purpose for Joshua. That he rose, that Joshua came into the life of Israel for a specific reason, for a specific purpose, and he fulfilled it. And there's something about Joshua's life that he, um, from the beginning, was the aggressor was the aggressor. He was the warrior. He was bred. He was made to be at war and to advance and to not be afraid, not be scared, but to go forth, to go forward, to go and get it done. He was a captain of the army. Let me tell you about Joshua this morning. Joshua was born as a slave in Egypt, okay? So Joshua didn't, he grew up in Egypt, okay? He grew up as a slave. He grew up watching his parents get whipped. He grew up watching his parents suffer. And then he, at a young age, realized that's going to be me someday. And Joshua grew up in that manner. So I can't, I don't know what you can imagine growing up as a slave. We don't have that context necessarily here in North America. There are other people in other contexts that absolutely do. But I cannot imagine what that would be like growing up in that context, knowing and thinking and understanding that my whole life would be this. 
living life under somebody else's thumb, under somebody else's rule, forcing me to do something that wasn't for me, wasn't for God's glory, but was for an evil purpose, what was for destruction, and I was being forced to do that. Listen, I can't even imagine that existence, but this is where Joshua came from. This is how Joshua grew up. And we don't know a ton about necessarily about Joshua before a couple of things that we see in the Bible, and we're going to dig into one of those things this morning. But one of the things that we know is that Joshua, for some reason, got connected to Moses at a very young age. So I don't know if Joshua was, was kind of like that, that, uh, that, that annoying little brother or sister and said, can I come, can I come, can I come, can I come, hey, can I come, can I come? I went out to, like, uh, I went, at, like, every, every year I go out with my friends to, uh, with some friends from Bible college, and we go golfing, and then we went to a Blue Jays game, and my kids found out that uh, that's what I was doing. And so I said, Dad, can I come? Dad, can, can I come? Can I come and do that? Can I come? Like, you're going to, be playing golf and going to, can I come? Can I come? And I'm like, so much of my life is about you. <laughs> But it still breaks my heart to say no. It's, it's like, no, no, this is, I, no, I'm, I'm doing this. But there's, there's this idea that Joshua was that kid. Joshua was that guy. He was that, that, that kid who wouldn't let go of, of Moses and he just wanted to be around him. And I just, I imagine that Moses just kind of gave in because he was just like, I'm not going to get rid of this kid. So I, I guess you can come along and just be with me. And Joshua was that guy. He was the aggressor. He was the person who goes up and asks and, and, and says, can I have this? Can I have this? Can I have this? He was that. He was the aggressor. He was the pursuer. He was the attacker. He was the warrior. And that God had rose him up for such a time as this. In Exodus 17, we get the first glimpse. I don't want you to turn there just yet because we're going to go somewhere else. But look at it later. I'm trusting you that you read the Bible other than just Sundays, right? Say yes. Please say yes. Thank you very much. My goodness. Exodus 17. Okay, Joshua. First time we get a glimpse of Joshua. And it's not a huge thing about Joshua. All it says is that... The Amalekites, listen, they were coming away from Sinai. They were going from Sinai. They just got the Ten Commandments. They're going from Sinai, right? And they're just, they've just come away from the, the, the parting of the Red Sea. And so on, on the way, the Amalekites attack them. And Moses says to Joshua, he says to Joshua, and this is the first time we see Moses starting to defer to someone else. And he says to Joshua, he says, Joshua, I want you to, I want you to get some men and I want you to go into the valley, I want you to get some men, go into the valley, and, and, and go and attack the Malachites. And Joshua's like, okay. There was no haggling back and forth. Joshua, from the moment that Moses says, here's what I want you to do, I want you to assemble the right people and go attack. Okay. He did it. It was done. And at the end of the story, five verses later, it says now, and that the Lord gave the victory to Joshua. Joshua was an advancer. He was the aggressor. He was the forechecker. He went in to steal the puck. Whenever I, I coach hockey, it's, it's amazing when you coach hockey and you coach Timbit hockey. And I love to tell the kids who play Timbit hockey that they're allowed to steal the puck from the other team. 
because it's the first moment in their life when an adult has said to them, I want you to steal. Because <laughs> they don't get it, right? They don't, they don't necessarily understand that concept when you're playing a game where you're like, they have the puck, but you can go and take it away from them. What? And so every practice, every game before the game, one of the things I say is that you need to go and steal the puck. Because if you have the puck, that means they don't have the puck. And if they don't have the puck, they can't score. And so they're, they're like, taken back. You know what? Some of us are taken back when we have this, we think to ourselves, we should go take something? We should be the aggressor? We should be the one who goes in and engages in life and advances, and that should be us. It's very anti-Canadian. We're not very aggressive folk. We don't, you know, we're just kind of like, we, we just, okay, you know, let's, let's have a nice party. Let's keep the peace right here. Let's be nice. But we have to learn from Joshua that he was a warrior, that he engaged, okay? So now I want you to turn your Bibles to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13, and this is the story, this is the story that many of you know about how Joshua was picked. He was picked as one of the 12 spies to go in to the promised land. Listen, from the moment of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, listen, extremely significant moment. From the moment of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I will bless you. I will make you a great nation. I will bring you into the land, into the promised land, into the place where you will belong. From the moment of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and listen, the people of Israel were in Egypt in captivity for 400 years, and I'm telling you, the hope that they held on to was that I will bring you into the land, that I am going to give you this promised land. I am going to bring you into this place that I have ordained for you to be. And so now, finally, listen, after 400 years of being in captivity, God has has freed them from captivity. They've crossed the Red Sea. They just saw the Egyptian army completely destroyed. Every day, food falls from the sky. Every day, except for Sunday. Well, the Sabbath, and we're not going to get into it. We're not going to get into it. But every day, food falls from the sky. Every day, birds come in. Fall down and they kill the birds and they can eat meat every day. Every day there's a cloud in front of them showing which way to walk. A cloud. Man, I'd love that cloud. Wouldn't you love that cloud? That'd be great to have that cloud. Where do I go, Lord? I just follow the cloud. What do you want me to do? I'm going right here. At nighttime, there's a pillar of fire. I'd love to have the pillar of fire. A pillar of fire just for me? Hey, what's that all about? Well, God's leading me. That'd be awesome. Cloud by day, pillar of fire by night, cross the Red Sea, food every day from the sky, water from the rock. They get to the promised land, and they get there, and it's time to go in. It's time to take what God has prepared in advance for you to take. And they get there, so they get ready, and they, get, they, tw- they choose 12 spies, one person from every tribe. There are 12 tribes of Israel, 12 clans, 12 groups, 
12 families. And one person from each tribe was chosen to go in and spy the land. They sent them in, and so they would do this. They sent them in for 40 days. They would do this in order to spy out the land because they're supposed to take the promised land. That's where they're supposed to be. But there are people there right now. It's not just this empty land. It's not an empty parcel of, of, of land that hasn't... Listen, the best land is always taken up by somebody else. Like, it, that's just the way it is. And that's, there were people there. They were evil, destructive, vile, pagan groups of people. It wasn't like your neighbor who likes to barbecue late on 10, on 10 o'clock. Okay, it wasn't, it wasn't like them. These were like disgusting, barbarian, evil worship, like awful, awful people. Okay, God was trying to set up his kingdom through the people of Israel. So those people needed to be displaced so that God could fulfill his purposes. So they sent 12 spies into the land. In Numbers chapter 13, verse 27, I could read like two full chapters, but we're we're not going to do it. And I don't have it on the PowerPoint, so you know what you're just going to have to do? Listen and read your Bibles. If you don't have your Bible, then you have an electronic device that you can download a Bible app. And if you don't have a Bible app on your phone, come on! (laughs) This was their report, verse 27, okay? So the, the spies have come back. They're going into the promised land. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it was indeed a bountiful country. A land flowing with milk and honey, which sounds sticky, but here is the kind of fruit it produces. But the people living there are powerful. Their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there. The descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Negev, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let us go at once to take the land. He said, we can certainly conquer it. But the other men who explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land amongst the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who lives there. All the people we saw, all the people, not just the descendants of Anak. For 40 days, there's no way they just saw one group of people. So they're embellishing here. All the people we saw were huge, like me. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And you know what? That's what they thought too. Amazing that they knew what the people of Anak were thinking. Then the whole community, this is, okay, so now we're in verse, chapter 14, verse 1. Then the whole community began weeping aloud, and they cried all night. All night. The whole community cried. That'd be weird. (laughs) The voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If we'd only died in Egypt, or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? And then they plotted amongst themselves, let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their face face down on the ground before the whole community of Israel. Two of the men who had explored the land was Joshua, son of Nun, and 
which is not true. Caleb, son of Jephthunah, tore their clothing. Joshua, son of Nun. It's anyway. They said to the, all the people of Israel, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and he will give it to us. It is a, land, is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord. And don't be afraid of the people of the land. They're only helpless prey to us. See, here's where Joshua's coming out, okay? They're only hopeless prey to us. They have no protection. But the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. But then the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. And then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to all the Israelites in the tabernacle. And I'll let, I'll let you guys lead the rest read the rest about this story. But here we get this glimpse of Joshua. Okay, so he's one of the spies who are sent into the land, and he's there with them for 40 days. And they're spying out the land for 40 days, so it wasn't just like they went over to the hillside and they're just like, no, they spent a lot of time doing research. And they come back. And so it's through this, it's through this little story that we can learn about the type of person that Joshua was and how we can be like Joshua. And the first thing that Joshua wasn't doing, he wasn't looking in the past. He wasn't looking in the past. He wasn't thinking about the past and how great the past was. He was thinking about the future. The other spies, they were thinking about the past. The rest of the people of Israel, listen, you got to read Exodus, okay? you got to read as they come out of Egypt. Listen, they get to, they get to the Red Sea. God has delivered them. They've just seen the 10 plagues. God has delivered them from Egypt. And when they get to the Red Sea, they see the Red Sea. And the first thing they say is like, let's go back to Egypt. And then they cross the Red Sea. Things are going great. And then they get into the wilderness and they don't have any food. And they're just like, you know what we should do? We should go back to Egypt. And then, okay, so now food is falling from the sky every day, and now they want meat, and they're so upset. And they're just like, oh, I want, we want meat. You know what we should do? We should go back to Egypt where there was meat. And then they, and then they go to the bottom of, of the mountain, and they're waiting for the Ten Commandments. They're waiting for the law of God to come down, and they get impatient. Where, where's this Moses guy? What's he doing? You know what we should do? We should build an idol like we had in Egypt. And then they get into the wilderness, they leave Sinai, and they don't have any water, and they're thirsty. They go to this place where there's no water, and they're just like, you know what we should do? We should go back to Egypt. Thinking about the past. They're looking back at the past. If you're looking back at the past and you thought to yourself, man, those are good days. Oh, man, those were good days. And you get together with old friends, and you start talking about the good old days, and you're just like, remember those days? Those were good times, man. Oh, those were good times. If we could just, if we could just get back to that. Do you ever get that? Some of you are just like, no, like that was brutal. <laughs> but what happens is they're not, they're not enamored with the past. Why can't it be the way it was? The problem is a lot of times we forget the challenges of the former days. We forget the pain and the struggle we go through. I often think to myself, man, I'd love to go back to high school and know all the stuff that I know and play high school football. <laughs> That'd be amazing. 
But the problem is, is what I don't remember is all the insecurity I had as a teenager and how I didn't necessarily want to talk to people and how I didn't really have a, I really wasn't that loud of a person in high school. And you're just like, what, 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 what? I don't remember those moments. I just, I, and we look towards the past and we think, if I, can, if I can just get back to where I was before. The problem with that sort of theology, the problem with that sort of thinking is that you believe, that you begin to believe that the best days that you have had are in the past. That you believe that the former days the days that have gone by are the best days. And so you're trying to somehow return to the good times that you've had. Now, some of you it doesn't necessarily apply, but some of you it does. But the truth is, is that the better days lie ahead. Listen, in Jesus Christ, the better days have always lied ahead. It's never been in the past. They've never wanted to return to the past. Jesus has never, there's been never any context in the Bible that just says you should just go back to doing what you did before. Because the revelation of God is progressive. Okay? It doesn't mean that there's something new under the sun. The Bible is complete. His truth is complete. But as it, as it gets revealed to us, he reveals it to us more and more and more and more and more. And the greater his revelation to us becomes. So I believe, and you should believe, and the Bible preaches, that the days ahead of you are going to be better than the days you've spent. I'm not saying that. The Bible says that. In Haggai chapter 2, verse 9, the glory of this temple will be greater, the future glory of this temple, this house, will be greater than its past glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And in this place I will bring peace, and the Lord of heaven's armies have spoken. I believe that the best is yet to come. You know why? Because Jesus is coming back for his church, and I'm going to spend eternity with him in the future. And so are you. It's not just in heaven, though. It's not just eternity. It's here on earth. There are greater days ahead of you. And you're just like, man, I don't know if that's, I, I don't know. I mean, Egypt was awesome. We got whipped every day, but we had food. They wanted to go back, but Joshua knew that what had God had promised was so much greater than what he had experienced. And church, I want you to know what God has in store for you in the coming days will be greater than what he's done in you already. It's not me. That's what God says. He always brings us towards the future. Joshua, looking towards the future, these other spies, they were looking towards the past. They were thinking, there's no way we were better off in Egypt. The second thing that we learn from Joshua is that he walked by faith and not by sight. This is a principle from the Bible. So what happens is, is that the other spies go in and they see the descendants of Anak, these giants, these larger folk who were taller and real, they looked at them and they thought to themselves, well, how are we, how are we going to conquer the land when these people are huge? 
How are we going to overcome these people when their, their armies seem so fortified, when their armies seem so strong? How are we going to do this? What are we, what are we going to do? Like, how are we going to overcome this? But the, the reality is, is that Joshua didn't care. And the, real, the also reality was is that the people who were spies, they didn't even give a true report. They were embellishing the report. They were scared. They were afraid. They thought to themselves, there's no way. They were looking with their earthly eyes on the situation in front of them and thought to themselves, there is no earthly way we can overthrow these people. You know what? That was true. There's no earthly way they would conquer the land. But church, they were, their savior, their God was not, an, was not just, was not confined by earthly extremes. And they, and God had proved that to him with the plagues and the Red Sea and the food from heaven. Look about that in your eyes. Like wake up in the morning and see the food fall and thinking, well, maybe God's on our side. Church, you need to be reminded of God's amazing things that are happening in your life right now that you have forgotten. You're thinking, you're looking out on some earthly things and thinking, there's no earthly way possible for me to accomplish what you're asking me to do. And you know what? You're right. There's no earthly way that you can do it. Well, praise God that I am not bound by earthly extremes because the the same Jesus that Rise from the dead, dwells in me through the power of his spirit and dwells in you through the power of his spirit. So that means you are not confound. You are not built into this, extre- this box of earthly humanity. Right? So let's stop looking at life like that. Joshua didn't. He, he, he was just like, let's go do it. Let's go. They're like, pray. Like, who's defending them? Who's protecting those guys? Nobody. Let's just go get them. Let's just do it. Let's just get them. Let's just go. Let's go right now. Let's go right now. He was the aggressor because he knew that this wasn't an earthly battle. It was a spiritual one that God was on his side. And that means nothing could hurt him. Nothing could stop him. So we, can't, we, we, we cannot look at our circumstances through earthly eyes. We have to look at our circumstances through Christ's eyes, through God's eyes, through the eyes of what the Bible has to say, right? We have, that's what we have to do because if we don't, then we're going to become like one of these spies. And you know what? Not only are we going to believe that the, that the circumstances around us are, are overwhelming, we're also going to convince others around us that that's what we sh- they should believe as well. It's not just about you. You're going to convince the people around you. No, 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 you can't do that. God said, do what? I wouldn't do that. That's a bad idea. It's not just you. We walk by faith and not by sight. And he calls us to a place that's unknown. But realize, listen, He's calling all of us to a place that's unknown, but realize that he has brought you to that place. Church, he has brought you to this place, to this house today, but he's brought you to this place in your life. And so the circumstances ahead of you, he has brought to you here by faith. 
not by sight. And the reality is, is that they didn't want to go in because they thought it would be too hard. They thought it would be too hard. I mean, that's, isn't that what they thought? Right? They're giants. The walls are too high. This is going to be too hard. Like, this is just too hard. I don't want to try. It's going to be too hard. That can't be the excuse of our life, church. We can't think to ourselves, well, because it's too hard, then, then maybe it's not God, that we're not going to be able to accomplish this. We're not going to be able to do this. That's not walking by faith. That's walking by sight. That's looking at the circumstantial evidence in front of you, the obstacles in front of you, and saying, that obstacle is too big. And that ob- you're basically saying that obstacle is bigger than God. But that's not true. We walk by faith, not by sight. Third thing we hear from Joshua is that we realize that when we don't walk in obedience to God, it's not that he's, it's not that when we don't do what God tells us to do, it's not like we, he just brushes it off. We are walking in rebellion when we don't obey. Do you understand that? Jesus, God, had brought them to this place. Plagues, Red Sea, food from heaven. Water from the rock. Beat the Amalekites. Get to the place of of the promised land. The place that God has promised them to do. And he says, go in and take the land. Well, I don't think so. Sometimes we have this interaction with God. And yes, God is our friend. Yes, God is is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Yes, he's our companion and we are in relationship with him. But we also have to understand he's our father. He is our king. And when he says, it's time to go, it's time to go. And then if we don't go, we are not, it's not just, uh, well, if you want to, you know, maybe if you feel like it and you have an extra time in your day and Maybe if, you know, like, I understand that you're between Netflix programs right now, and so, like, if you wanted to do that, you know, if you had some extra time and, and you, just have, you just felt like you could do it, just, if you could do that, be great. That's not what he's saying. And it's not, he's not doing it because of control. He's doing it because, like, this is the promised land. Like, this is the very best that I have for you. You should go and do this. Like, go and do this. It's what's best for you. So go and do it. And he says that to us. And sometimes we think that we're allowed to say no. Sometimes my kids think you're allowed to say no to me. I tell them to go and do something, and they're just like, no. Like, I'm your father. You have to do what I say. Like, that's part of the deal. And church, if, if, if they don't listen to me, this isn't about them being able to have the right to choose. Now, some of you are going to get freaked out about the fact that you may not get the right to choose, but listen, if I can trust in the person that I'm serving to realize that the choice that they make for me is going to be way better than any choice that I ever make, then I need to defer my choice to their choice. 
So when I, when I don't, when I don't trust God, then I'm walking in rebellion to, to, away from him. It's just like my kids when I just say, can you go and do that? No, I don't really feel like doing that. Well, that makes me mad. That's frustrating to me because I'm trying to do what's best for you. I'm trying to give you the very best life. I'm trying to teach you these things that are going to help you do the very best in your life. Can you please do what I say? No, I just didn't. Now listen, God is way more gracious than I am as a father. There's no question he is. But I am telling you, that when God brings you to a place of promise, when he brings you to a place that he wants to fulfill the promises of God in your life, and he says, this is what you have to do to fulfill those promises, and you say no, I'm thinking he's a bit frustrated. I'm thinking he's like, not that he's mad at you, but he's just like, why? Like, I've, done, I've done all these things for you so that you can Accomplish so much in your life. Why would you say no to me now? It's rebellion when we don't obey him. And there are consequences for rebellion. Because there should be. So Joshua didn't really want to rebel. He wanted to obey God. And he's like, let's go do that. Let's not rebel against the Lord. Let's go and take the land. I don't care how big they are. I don't care the obstacles in my life. It doesn't matter to me. I'm going. I'm going. This is why God's brought me here. This is why he raised me up. This is why I've been following Moses around for years and years and years. This is why. This is why. For 400 years, my ancestors, my fathers and grandfathers and great-grandfathers and great-great-grandfathers and great-great-great-grandfathers who have been slaving away in Egypt for years and years and you are bringing me to this promised land and I'm, you want to say no? No, let's do this. Some of us don't understand the ramifications of our yes to God in these moments. They're huge. We need to say yes to him. We need to say yes to him. The last thing he teaches us, what Joshua teaches us is that he's just not afraid. Not afraid of the people in the land. He says, don't be afraid of the people in the land. Don't be afraid of the people in the land. Don't be scared of them. Don't let fear grip you. Don't be afraid. Church, Joshua knew. Joshua knew these 10 other spies were going to give a bad report. Okay, these guys spent 40 days together. And after the first couple of days, you know that one of the guys was just like, I don't know if this is such a good idea. Us going in, look at that guy. He's huge. I don't know if we should do that. Joshua, listen, I know, I know, I know, I know. But I don't know if, listen, Joshua knew that what he was going to say was not going to be popular. He knew that what he was going to say to Moses and to the people of Israel, he knew they were not going to listen. He knew that they were not going to agree. And yet he said it anyway. He said it in front of the whole country, in front of the whole community. It says, Joshua and Caleb stood up and said, what? no, we've got to go in. 
This, this was after they were ready to get rid of Moses and Aaron. This is after they had cried all night. They cried all night long. The whole community cried. You want to come over to my house? We're crying tonight. You want to come over? Yeah, I'm going to be crying anyway. Everybody crying. My brother's making me laugh. So listen. He didn't want, like, he didn't care what they thought. He knew what the Lord thought. He knew what the Lord was saying, and he didn't care what people were thinking. He spoke up. He advanced. He was the aggressor. What are you talking about? Are we talking about not going in now? Are we talking about not going into the... Are we, no. We should go in. We should take the land. These people, they think we might be puny. They're puny. They have no protection. They will be our prey. He didn't care about the Amalekites, the Jebusites, the Hittites, the Canaanites. He didn't care about any of those ites. He knew what God said. He knew what God said. He didn't care what people thought in church. I'm wondering how much we would do for him if we didn't care what people said. What would you do if you weren't afraid of people? What would you do? What would you say if you weren't afraid of people and what they thought? Who intimidates you? And church, should anybody be able to intimidate you? Should anyone? Come on, there are contexts at work and in our families, and in, and in our homes, and our relationships, we think to ourselves, well, I'm not going to do that because they're going to think this. Well, I'm not going to do that because then they'll think I'm doing this. Or, or what if they say this, and this is, we get into the what ifs, huh? We get into the what ifs. Well, what if they see this, and what if they think that, and what if they think I'm this, and what if they think I'm that, and we think to ourselves, I'm not doing that. Is that a God decision? Is that based on what the Holy Spirit is saying to you, or is that based on fear of what people are going to think of you? That one's going to mess with you. That question's going to mess with you. And it should. Because it's messing with me. What if I wasn't afraid of what people thought? There's nobody around here who's got like a pitchfork who's ready to, 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 to kill me. No one's got a gun outside the walls thinking, as soon as he comes out, I'm going to shoot that guy. Nobody in this context. Praise the Lord. But let me tell you, if I wasn't afraid of what people thought, if you weren't afraid of what people thought of you and what people were going to say and what people were going to do, man, we need to learn from Joshua because like the whole community, the Bible says that after Joshua and Caleb said that, they were ready to stone them. And I think they knew it was coming. And they didn't care. Should anybody be able to intimidate us? 
Should we really be taking on other people's expectations in our life? No. God is calling us to something greater, a greater purpose, a promised land of our life each and every day. Here's the extraordinary part. You see, for the people of Israel, all they could realize was the promised land was this place, was a piece of land, was a, was, was a part of the earth that they could settle on, that that was the promised land. But the reality to you and me, because of Jesus dying on the cross and rising again, that we can walk in the promised land each and every day. That it's not a place that we have to necessarily, we don't have to, it's not just a static place, hey, we're here, now we can live here. No, it's a reality, a relationship between you and God that says, like, I have the very best for you right now. So we need to be more like Joshua. Because Joshua reminds us of Jesus. Because all the things I said about Joshua, it brings us back to who Jesus is. Because he didn't care what people thought. He didn't walk by faith. He walked by faith and not by sight. He didn't see the circumstances in front of us and saying, well, I'm not going to go die on a cross. He he looked beyond those things. And so we we see Joshua as as a type of Jesus. And and what we learn is that Joshua wasn't a perfect Jesus. He was a type of Jesus, which means there's a part of Joshua whose character should speak to us. And the part that it speaks to us, it says, we should not be shrinking back in fear. We should be advancing, going forward, saying, you know what? If God is for me, who can be against me? And I'm an overcomer. So I don't need to step back. I need to step forward. No, I'm not doing a motivational speech here. I'm not not selling any tapes. I'm not selling any videos. All I'm trying to say is that, man, we have Jesus Christ on our side. And there's a character in Joshua that we all need to have. We all need to understand is that it's okay to advance. It's okay to push forward. It's okay to, to step out and say, you know what, look, I'm... No, I'm going to speak up. I'm going to say something. I'm going to go forward. I'm not waiting. I am, God has built, there's a part of us that God has built us to be warriors to say, you know what? I am protected by the power of God. That gives me every authority and every right and every opportunity to step forward and say, God, whatever you have in front of me, maybe it's too hard. Maybe it's too hard for everybody else. Maybe, maybe it seems like it's a, a circumstance that, that, that most people can't overcome. Maybe, maybe the God, you're calling me to something and people are going to think I'm weird if I go and do that. Or people are going to think, how could that person go and do that? Why would they quit that job and go do this job? Why would they go to that place and go to, not to this place? Why would they choose to stay with that person and not, and not walk away from that person? Why would they do that? Maybe we need to realize That God is calling us to advance. Because I still believe this is a year that God is calling us to advance. Let's learn from Joshua today. Amen? Amen. Would you bow with me? Father, we thank you so much. Lord, you you have given us so many people to learn from. And especially Joshua, he's, God, he's a character that's 
helps us to understand that there is a part of us that needs to get used to advancing. Not looking back on the past, not thinking to ourselves, oh, it was, back, it was better back then. No, God, it's going to be better tomorrow. And then the day, the day after that's going to be even better than that. And the week after that's going to be even better than that. And the month after that's going to be even better than that. It's the belief and understanding that if you've called us to this place, if you've brought us to this moment of faith, then what you're calling us to do right now is a little piece of the promised land. The great expression of good flowing through our lives. Now we don't need to be afraid of what people will think. We don't need to be afraid of what our eyes may perceive. God, that you are calling us to something and it's not, sometimes we think that we have a choice or sometimes we think that we have the right to choose whether or not we obey you or not. The truth and the reality is is that if we've given our lives to you, then we are saying that we should be walking in obedience, that if we've decided to give you our lives, then that means what you have chosen for me is what I should want to do. So God, help us to not walk in rebellion. Help us to walk in obedience that we might experience the blessing and the favor that you had intended for us. The promised land. It looks hard. But that doesn't mean it is. Lord, I pray that you're speaking to us today. God, I pray that for each individual in this place, the Holy Spirit of God is speaking to each and every one of us about different things. And this isn't just about jobs or relationships, God. Like, this is the amazing thing about your spirit is that for each and every person, God, that you can speak to the very context that is applying to their, their life. So, Lord, I pray that we would take this truth to heart about your word. you would help us to learn from Joshua and that we would advance that we would go that we would obey because it's the best thing for us anyway Lord I thank you once again for the burden that was released today in the context of worship the burden that Jesus is enough that we can hold on to hope that we can hold on to truth And that we don't have to be scared. We don't have to be afraid. And God, I thank you so much how you've worked this whole service together. You are such a good God. Thank you, Jesus. God, may we be so in awe of you all day long today. All day long today. We ask for your help in these days ahead. 
to trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.